Guys, brilliant. Um, so, uh, as always, I get all the, the fun topics. So, um, this morning I'm going to be talking just about generosity and giving. Um, and Phoebe wants to go out too, apparently. Um, so, we are one chapter down on uh, the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, so, we're in Matthew 6 now. And this is Jesus' seminal teaching moment. And we've been here for quite a while. Um, and we're taking it deliberately slow because there's real meat here. And we want to linger on Jesus' words. So, had a bit of a wild ride so far. We've ca- covered anger, lust, revenge, promises, the law, and we've dived in depth into what Jesus tells us about God's kingdom. Um, and now as we begin chapter six, we're changing directions slightly as we move from Jesus's social ethics teaching, how we interact with those around us, to more about how we can be in a proper relationship with God. And Jesus begins this teaching by focusing on three important tenets or pillars of the popular Jewish Jewish teaching at the time, giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. And at the time, these were becoming more popular criteria by which people were being judged by those around them and the religious leaders at the time. And in these passages, Jesus uses the words righteousness. Um, And Jesus here is directly referring to the righteousness captured within these three uh, activities because Uh, To the Jews who atoned uh, for their sins through sacrifice, these would have been expected activities uh, of you to retain your righteousness and good standing in the community and to become right with God. Through Jesus' death on the cross, he is our absolute righteousness. And now we have the opportunity to give, pray, and fast out of a genuine heart desire to be closer to God through the way that Jesus has made for us. So let's uh, dive into this passage, uh, Matthew 6, uh, verses 1 to 4. Um, I'll be reading from the ESV. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So before we dive into Jesus' teaching here, I want to just give a bit more background around giving and generosity. Um, And so when we talk about giving, especially giving to the church, we sometimes talk about tithing. Uh, We find the origins of this in the Old Testament. Um, A a tithe or a tenth uh, of uh, your income Uh, of your grown produce or your livestock was set aside uh, in the Old Testament for certain purposes. Um, One tithe was set aside for the Levitical priests to support the work of their ministry. One was set aside for feasts and celebrations to support the community to seek God together and to have those times of celebration. And one was set aside for the poor and needy in your community. These were set at different time periods and in line with the seasons of the Lord's calendar. So Actually, when adding all these up, you get nearer a 20% tithe that was expected for the Israelites. This was expected as God's part of God's law and covenant with his people and was intentionally designed by God to instruct his people to, to look after the religious leaders, to help each other, and to help the least, the last, and the lost in their own communities. But over time, these original intentions uh, from God were lost and it became just part of a blind religious duty removed from its original love intention. 
And when we started looking at the Sermon on the Mount, we saw Jesus introduce the reality of his kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in this, we see Jesus pushing out the established narrative of outward piety or righteousness for its own sake. Across the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus focuses on two things. God in all of his glory and the response that God demands from us out of a loving relationship. And see, we see with this rejection of outward pious attitudes for their own sake, for any sort of blind religious discipline, and obedience to one that starts from a loving relationship and moves outwards. And we can and should respond to God's all-consuming love in these ways. These are good things, but it starts with an awareness of what he has done for us and our actions should be considered through this lens. And Jesus now moves on to uh, warning, warning uh, those following him to do good things out of the approval of others. This is the second sort of dangerous trap that Jesus is trying to come against here. Um, and this is really, really appealing, uh, especially for me. Um, you know, generosity is still one of those accepted virtues in society. You know, it's quite a, a shared, common thing that everyone thinks is a good thing. Uh, those that don't know Jesus still believe it's a good thing to do. So it's very easy to fall into this, this trap of being generous to create a certain image or uh, to convey a, something about you to those around you. Um, I recently met up with a friend who works in the grant-giving space, uh, and she was complaining about her current job. Um, previously, she used to work in Australia and ran grant-giving rounds uh, for a group of families who really wanted to maintain privacy. So they had kept their giving from an arm's length from their reputation. And they made it really specific that they only wanted their names used if it could unlock more opportunities or to, to bring more funding in for these grant giving to uh, charities and organizations that really need it. And her current job is sort of very uh, completely different from that. She now works with uh, larger donors from, the, from America, um, where sort of the money primarily goes on very, very high salaries to those who uh, manage the funds. And most of the money comes in through charity balls and events where people can see the funds being raised and people giving the money. And she was sort of slightly misled about this, uh, this job. And she, even for her, she, she knew that that was wrong. She felt um, morally compromised in this role. And I think this is actually what, something that um, Jesus is teaching about here. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus here begins by going directly to the motive behind the giving, in order to be, to be seen by them. And the language, the, uh, the, the root of the word here is, is actually in the same sort of theatrical word uh, root. So actually this is about, you know, literally giving a spectacle out of your giving, making it an event. And Jesus talks about, you know, sounding trumpets and uh, announcing yourself and, you know, making it obvious what you're doing. Uh, Jesus actually says, actually, God looks at our motives behind our generosity. So actually, I think it's worth us sort of taking the moment just to reflect on, you know, why, why are we giving? Why do we give? So what is our heart supposed to look like in that moment? What is God calling us to? And I think for me, I break this down into sort of three points that helps uh, me cement uh, this in my mind. Number one, God is good and he gives us very good gifts. 
Number two, everything that we have is a gift from God anyway. Any, any possessions we own, any titles, any responsibilities, our health, everything is a gift from God. And number three, God has instructed us to look after his children. So as always, our hearts begin in this place of worship. God is good. We now have access to the Father and to eternal life with him through the gift of Jesus, his death and resurrection. Worth more than any monetary gift, more stable than gold, more gains than the stock market, this is all we need. However, God wants us to flourish. In this time between the now and the, and the not yet, we get to model godly behavior in his kingdom here on earth. And so God gives us the means to survive one way or the other and the ability to give to those around us. And all of this comes from God. And it's really, really easy in those moments. You know, I have to take up my cross every day in this because it's a daily battle for me to take ownership of it again. I've done that. That's all mine. That's my money coming in. I don't have to give that away. I've earned that. I've worked hard. And for me, that is literally a daily battle. I have to say, okay, Jesus, no, this is yours. This is, this is God. This is yours. Out of God's generosity with us, we're now asked to be generous with everything that God has given us. Freely you have received, freely give. In this, we reflect the generosity that God has shown us. If we rightly understand everything given to us is God's, we become stewards of his goodness, not hoarders. And out of God's heart for his children and those he has accepted into his kingdom, he asks us not only to look after our own families, but also those around us that are least in society, the poor and vulnerable. And sometimes for me, that means praying that God will break my heart for someone or a cause that he wants me to give to. God, help me in this moment to see this person how you see them, because left to my own devices, I can have a very, very cold, very, very protected heart. And I need God to invade in those moments and to, to give me a, a heart of beating flesh. Because otherwise, if left to my own devices, I'd be one of those hoarders. This is not always easy to do. This takes time. Sometimes we need to take a small step in faithfulness, and God confirms that step that we've taken. Jesus goes on, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Throughout these passages, Jesus often talks about a reward or storing treasure in heaven. I really want to briefly touch on this because uh, in Jesus, our salvation is secure. There are no gradients to being saved. Jesus has paid the price and invites us to freely receive that. But our relationship to God, how we respond to what he asks of us, the time we spend with him, the way we live our lives has eternal value when we go to live fully in God's kingdom. Uh, the uh, theologian N.T. Wright puts it like this. It isn't a matter of calculation, of doing a difficult job in order to be paid a wage. It is much more like working on a fr at a friendship or a marriage in order to enjoy that other per person's company more fully. The reward is organically connected to the activity, not some kind of arbitrary pat on the back, otherwise unrelated to the work that was done. And it is always far in abundance beyond any sense of direct or equivalent payment. The resurrection means that what you do in the present 
in working hard for the gospel is not wasted. And I think Jesus points at the reward that those that are just getting the attention, they, they already get that attention. You know, they, they, you know, that's, that's all that they deserve in that moment. So actually when we, we decide to take a different path, God actually says, actually, there's no immediate reward there. So, I, and I love and want to bless my children in that moment. So when you give to the needy, do not let your left, left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And uh, we've, we've looked at a few extreme uh, metaphors from Jesus uh, over this. Luckily, this is not too extreme. Um, but Jesus is using this, this metaphor that we don't know which one, which hand is doing what uh, to make a point. Because there are parts of us, our service to God that will naturally be in public. When we serve the poor, the downtrodden, when we invite in the outcast, when we show kindness to those that society has rejected. And God, this is a, an instruction from God. God asks us to do this. And he asks us to be salt and light. We need to be showing the world that God's love looks like practically, to point those around us to God. And it's important in those moments that we give God the glory publicly, that people know the reason why we're doing it, so that anything that would typically be ascribed to us goes to God. But if our motive is not for the glory of God in those moments, then God is not in those actions. They become vain, hollow expressions. I think despite, despite that, there is something special about what we do in secret because it's impossible for us to receive acclaim or praise for what we do. Even if that is misconstrued, if we're right with God, we're, we're, we're doing it with one mind for his glory, um, it still presents opportunities for others, others to misunderstand and to start to ascribe that glory unto us uh, and not God. Um, and my mental model for this is an iceberg. Uh, we want the bit above the surface to show and reflect God's glory, but secretly under the surface, it's supported by a larger bit hidden under the water. Also for God's glory, but the true depth and size of what lies beneath the surface is reserved for only God to know. And so if everyone sees all of your good works, and I think you'd need to take some time to reflect on the reason why you do them and the reason why you do what you do. Because approval, and this actually talks actually into the real heart of the matter, approval from others is vicious and speaks to a deeper down brokenness that we're all victim to. Deep down, only the fully fledged love from God can fill the empty pit we're all born with the need for the attention approval of those around us. And that does, and it will fade. It's not eternal. Only God's love is eternal. For me, this is one of my biggest hurdles. The cross I find hardest to carry as I look to follow Jesus. What will others think of me in that moment? And to be quite honest, I've actually used generosity as a bit of a crutch. You know, people won't think I'm one of those weirdo Christians if they see me being generous. You know, oh, we can accept him because he, he's doing what, what is accepted to us. And in that moment, I'm still needing the approval of those around me in those moments. I've been bringing this to Jesus over a period of time. Because as we spend time with Jesus, he becomes that source of approval. And as we begin to live in that truth and see the world, how Jesus sees it, our actions flow from the repaired heart and the transformed mind.
And for some of you this morning, you're thinking, oh, life is tough. I'm battered by the wind and the waves of life. You can't imagine being able to give anything away. I just encourage you this morning just to spend some time with Jesus because there is absolutely no obligation in this. Jesus is not there sort of, you know, staring over you, looking, looking into your, your purse or wallet. But as a response to Jesus, take that first step and ask for his healing and for, him to, uh, for Jesus to unlock, um, to re- replace part of your heart, just to take that first step. See where Jesus wants to take you in this. For those of you this morning that may be thinking of why you give and what you give to, um, perhaps we need a bit of time just to reflect on the reasons why we give to certain um, organizations. Um, so I want this to be helpful. Um, I've just got a bit of a framework for giving. Um, no one is absolutely obliged to follow this. This is just something, a, a helpful framework that um, has been helping me over these years. Um, so... Uh, yeah, here I've got just initially I've got five principles just to help uh, generosity and giving. Number one, this is about our whole lives. Um, we talk a lot about money. Uh, you know, money is uh, the obsession of the whole, you know, the, the whole world. And we, as part of living in that, we you know, money is uh, important to us, but it's not the only thing. We're called to be living sacrifices in our whole lives. So God demands more of us than just our cash. Uh, That can include our time, our skills, our creativity, our God-given gifts. And so actually God's calling us deeper. And so actually sometimes in my life, I've actually done sort of check the box with my, my tithe. And that for me, that kind of like absolves my guilt and then I can go on living how I want to live. And then actually God's saying, actually, no, you know, that's not what I want. I don't want a, a token. I want our, your whole life. Number two, um, we're only, we are only to give what we want to give. It says in 2 Corinthians, each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think there are some times when we're actually asked to step out in faith. Uh, God, I don't know what you're doing in this moment. I don't really want to give this away, but I trust you and want to make this step. And from time to time, we may need to do this, but I don't think this should be the norm in our giving. God wants to transform our heart and to make us generous people because he's a generous God. 2 Corinthians also says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will always reap bountifully. So number three, I want to be clear here that God is a good God and he gives his children good gifts. That includes money, jobs, and provision. But God is not a slot machine. We don't give just to be received from God and to get a, 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 you know, a, a blessing from God. Um, we absolutely want to reject any teaching of that in this church. Because God's uh, greatest gift to us has been freely given to us. We didn't do anything to res- deserve it. And God knows our hearts in this area and is asked to go beyond just a transactional relationship with him. Number four, we're advised by Paul not to ignore our own obligations and the care of our own families. We're to give generously, but never to the point of being able, not being able to pay debts or put food on our tables. Um, for me, actually, this one's time. Um, very, very quick to give away my time. 
um, to others without first thinking about my family and actually the, the, the needs that my family has of me and of my time. Um, number five, we're to be good stewards of what God has, has given to us and not foolish. This means giving proper scrutiny to where our money goes and what it's used for. Generally, it's better for you to be able to see where your money goes in your local area or community. But that's not always possible when we give overseas or to an organization. And so I just make sure that you trust those organizations that you give to. Uh, make sure something's auditable so you can see where the money's going. Um, and if you give to charities, there are certain ratings for transparency, the amount actually going on, uh, on, on, the, uh, on the actual frontline care. So five principles, but what should we give? Um, and I think budgeting is a really good tool here. Um, I'm, my life is chaotic. I you know, forget to, to, to give. And um, to me, to make that decision once for the year helps me uh, in that day-to-day. -day. Sit down and plan what you're able to give. And although tithing is no longer required for us, um, I like to, to use those tithes uh, as an inspiration uh, for my giving. And so I sort of split this up into three. Um, number one, giving to the church. Paul instructs believers to support those who preach the gospel and talks about the support he had received from the different churches. Um, now, we kind of call this regular giving uh, tithing uh, in church to repeat, you know, the repeat local gi uh, giving to the local church. Now, I really want to be really clear, there is no fixed percentage or amount that is correct, the correct amount. Everyone has different circumstances, and this is a decision we all need to make before God. Um, second bucket, giving into the life of the community, practicing hospitality, keeping aside an amount for extra food or provision for those around us inside the church and out. This can be providing food for gospel community, buying a coffee for a friend, hosting a dinner party for your neighbors. Number three, giving to the poor. Giving to local charities who support those in need. Donating food to the food bank. Buying some food for someone on the street. Now, I don't want any of this to be a burden to anyone. So if anyone's feeling um, that there's pressure on them to, in that moment, ignore what I've said. Ignore everything I've said. Um, but I hope that is helpful to you because it's helpful to me because I'm very, very forgetful. So as we draw to a close, um, do you want to twinkle some keys? Um, using our values, I've just got three points um, just to spend some time um, as uh, Alan plays, just to, three points just to think on. Number one, prayer. Pray that God will speak to you, reveal his love for you, and direct your attention to where he's calling you to be generous. Number two, hospitality. Ask that God will bring in mind someone to invite over or to take for a coffee. Number three, celebration. Celebrate God's goodness in your life. How has God, God blessed you, and who could this be encouragement for? We're just going to take some time now just to reflect on those points. So... If you want, would like some prayer, feel free to ask the person next to you just to pray with you. If you want to chat through some of these points with someone next to you or anything that's spoken through, let's just take some time just to pray, seek God and support one another uh, into what he's calling us into. Thanks, guys.